This is the shame. This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. Shameless Mom Academy, episode 55. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hello, shameless moms. I'm always happy to be here and happy to be here today, but I will admit I'm really nervous to record this episode. I've actually been sitting in front of my computer for a while now, making my notes for the show and trying to figure out how I'm gonna get through it because I'm gonna be sharing the rest of our IVF story which didn't end the way I expected it to. So I'm looking forward to sharing it because I think that sharing stories is a crucial part of us connecting with other people and us impacting other people's lives. But this will be a difficult story to share. So let's just dive in. We got back our test results. So as part of our IVF experience, we decided to do genetic testing because of my age. So to get you up to speed if you haven't gotten the most recent updates leading up to this episode. After our IVF egg retrieval, we had six embryos. So that means six of the seven eggs they retrieved from me were fertilized. And of those six, one of them made it to day five, which means that and became a blastocyst, which means that it was actually a viable embryo that they could then either transfer into me in hopes of achieving pregnancy, or they could take a couple cells off of there and biopsy them and then freeze the embryo. And the benefit of doing that with my age is that you can test for uh, chromosomal abnormalities. And so because we've had such a hard time getting pregnant and because of my age, that was the recommendation. So many women, when they do IVF, do what's called a fresh transfer. So they get to day five or six after their egg retrieval and they transfer over any embryos that look like they're in good condition. And with older women or women that have different you know, circumstances, they decide to do, you can opt for this genetic testing because that can rule out a lot of chromosomal abnormalities that would 
most likely result in miscarriage. And so the goal is that you have embryos that you're testing and then you can see like, okay, these, you know, two or three were not chromosomally normal, but these two or three looked great. Like let's transfer one of those in, or sometimes in older women, they'll transfer two of those in hopes of getting a single pregnancy. So in our situation, we just had one embryo and we decided to go forward with the testing. And so last, they took some a biopsy of the embryo, sent it to the lab, and then froze the embryo. And we were waiting for a call. So we were told it would be seven to 10 days. The call came in earlier than expected. I was grocery shopping. And so I'm in the middle of the grocery store and I get a voicemail from my doctor and she tells me to call her on her cell phone. And so when your doctor says to call on their cell phone, you're like, oh, this is really important. I'm going to call her right now. So I immediately call her back in the middle of the grocery store. And I said, hi, it's Sarah. And how are you doing? And she said, well, I'm okay. And right away I knew I was like, this is not good. So she said, I'm okay, but your test came back and the embryo had trisomy 16. So for those of you who have not gone through any sort of genetic testing, there's a handful of chromosomal abnormalities that they test for. And a lot of the trisomy, I think there's trisomy 16, trisomy 18, and trisomy 21, which are commonly tested for in pregnancy. And they can be tested through blood work. And Down syndrome is another chromosomal abnormality that can be tested for as well. So those are like the ones that I was most familiar with. And so, you know, there's a million things she could have said, and I would have been like, I don't even know what that means. But when she said trisomy, I know that that's very severe. And I know that's not a survivable chromosomal abnormality. And so when she said that right away, I was like, okay, like I know this isn't good. Then she continued and she said, with trisomy 16, it's an age-related abnormality. So this is not surprising. We see this in people of my age. And then she said that in most cases, if you have a pregnancy with a baby that has any of the trisomies, it's going to result in most often in miscarriage, but if not in miscarriage, then most likely in the baby's death very shortly after birth. So she told me all that and I'm in the middle of the grocery store and I was definitely a little bit stunned, but we kind of kept talking and I talked to just with her about my experience with the clinic and kind of gave them some feedback on, they were great. And I really loved working with UW here in Seattle. I have a little bone to pick with the embryologist. So I talked to her about that and I really felt like I was okay. We get off the phone and I have my empty cart. I haven't even started my shopping. So I have my empty cart and we get off the phone and I walk like three steps and I was like, oh no, like I'm totally going to start crying now. So I luckily had my sunglasses with me. So I put my sunglasses on and then I was like, and we were going camping the next day. So I was like, okay, like I have to get all this stuff for camping and I can't just like walk out to my car. Like I have to get this camping stuff done. I've never had such a disconnect from like my mind and my body. So I walked through the store for over an hour trying to remember what I needed and what I was there for. And I literally like, I could not remember one item to the next, what I needed. And I had a list on my phone. So I kept referencing the list. And the whole time I'm like, every time I look something up, I'm like crying and my sunglasses are on. And I'm just praying I won't see anyone I know, which I often see people I know at the store. So I'm like, please just don't let me see anyone I know. And I keep looking at things on my list. And I'm like, just a disaster. Like I'm walking aimlessly for long periods. And then I'll go find one thing. And like, usually in the store, I'm like, okay, let's get all the vegetable stuff in at one time and all the like, you know, all of your dairy stuff at one time and kind of somewhat strategic with categories. That was not me. I was like all over the store one item at a time circling, circling, circling. 
And so then my phone, I had a really low battery, my phone died. So then I didn't have my list. So then my shopping got exponentially longer because I was just trying to remember things. And I literally, it was a list of like 10 items. Maybe I could not remember one single thing on the list. And I'd only gotten like three or four of the things. So I just thought, well, if I wander, I'll just see things and remember. So I just wandered and wandered. Well, what happens when you wander in a store for too long in a neighborhood where you know people, eventually you run into someone you know. So... (laughs) After, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, maybe 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I'm wandering aimlessly down an aisle, still crying, sunglasses still on. And I hear this, hey, Sarah. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I cannot talk to anyone right now. And I turn around and it's a husband of one of my friends. And Vinny is in this little dad's group that is essentially six families who become really great friends through different random connections. But we call it the dad's group because the dad's often go out on Saturday mornings with the boys and then the moms stay home and relax. And it's really lovely. So it was one of the dads from the dad's group. And he starts talking to me and I'm like, stunned. Like, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm having a hard time like finding milk in the right aisle, let alone like carrying on a conversation. So I'm like, do I tell him? Like, I know if I tell him I'm going to burst into tears, that might be super awkward. Like, I don't know him that well. And I didn't want to make him uncomfortable. So we kind of have this very awkward conversation. I had to text his wife after I left the store and say like, oh my gosh, I just saw your husband. He's probably going to come home and say I was being really weird. I don't even know what we talked about. I told her what had happened. And she was, of course, very sweet about it and everything. So I make my way through the store. I get out to the car. I plug in my phone. I call my husband. I'm hysterical. And that's kind of how it went from there more hysteria and just crying people and just feeling really, really sad. So the interesting thing about this is I really 100% thought that I had prepared myself for no matter what happens, I'm good. I'd really talked myself and I knew that things, I knew that our chances of having a good embryo weren't awesome. And I knew with only one available to be tested because the other five had not grown well, I knew that our chances were slim. So I'd kind of mentally prepared for like all the things I can be positive about and all the things I can be, you know, all the great reasons to not have another child, all the things I can look forward to in life because I don't have to do, I don't have to nurse again. I don't have to be pregnant. I don't have to do all these things. But I still was like one of the biggest blows of my lifetime. I can't even think of anything else that compares. And maybe it might be a little bit like when we were trying to get pregnant with Vinny because we routinely had blows with that because it took so long. But I felt like with that, it was like, okay, just try again. Where with this, I'm like, we're not doing this again. And the doctor immediately said, she's like, well, let's have you come in and we can talk about the next round. And I was like, you know, I don't think I'm doing this again. And not because of any bad experience with a clinic, just because I kind of feel like we know what's going on with my egg situation. Like it's not good and it's not going to get better. We certainly could continue to throw money at it and like be physically and financially drained by the opportunity to try to have another child. But that's not where I, the direction I feel like we want to go. And my husband and I are in agreement on that, that that just doesn't feel like the right decision. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. So this call felt very final to me. And this is exactly what I've been asking for now for four years. I just wanted like clarity, like, yes, you're going to have another baby. No, you're not. The interesting thing about clarity, though, is when you get it, all of a sudden you aren't okay with the thing you thought you might be okay with. So as soon as I was told this didn't work, and then for me, that meant this is the end of the line for me being pregnant again, that was a huge blow. And I think part of it is my personality and knowing that I don't like to fail at things. And so this definitely feel in like an irrational way. This does not feel like a failure. If I'm thinking about irrationally, like I know that there's nothing I could do. I know it's nothing that I did to make my eggs go bad, like nothing like that. But in an irrational place, from an irrational standpoint and mindset, it definitely feels like I wasn't successful with this. And that's a really hard thing for me. And so a lot of my mental conversation lately and things I've been thinking through is like, am I sad because I failed or am I sad because I'm not having another baby? Like that feels very great to me. And I, I haven't figured it out. I haven't figured out if the sadness and the grieving has to do with just feeling not successful at something or if it really is because I definitely had a lot of fear about having a second child. And so I kind of felt like I would feel this relief if we were to get this phone call and that relief, I haven't felt that yet. So kind of waiting for it, kind of hoping for it. But so far, I haven't felt relief. I've just felt this deep sadness. So we'll see if that changes. Some days it feels better. I was lucky that right after this phone call, we did go camping. We were gone for five days and that was really great. We were with another family. So I felt really positive during that time. And I felt really like I could just focus on the good things and focus on Vinny. And that felt really good. So that was nice. I will say that I came home. My husband immediately had to leave the next day on a trip. And so now it's feeling a little more isolating and it's feeling a little bit more like quiet and subdued than I want it to around the house, which gives me more time to think. And time to think is not a good thing for a person who is feeling sad, but it's also an important part of the process, I think. 
So in preparation for today's episode, I started researching articles on like pros and cons of having an only child and pros of cons of like, you know, a second pregnancy and things like that. And I found this article, really amazing article that I'm going to link to about a woman. It's a Huffington Post article called Why Am I Okay Having Only One Child? So she talks about, she had her first child, I think at 40 maybe, I'm pulling up the article right now, but I think she said she had him at 40. So she was a little older to begin with. And after she had him, she didn't think that they would have another baby. And then she accidentally got pregnant and that baby was born a stillbirth. And so she lost this little baby girl. And after that happened, she went through, it's amazing to read this because she went through a lot of the same things that I'm going through, like trying to figure out how she felt. And like, was she mourning the loss of a baby? Was she mourning the fact that her child would be an only child? Was she feeling guilty about that? Like, I mean, there's a million things you can feel guilty about with all of this stuff. Because, you know, if you're choosing to draw the line and say like, we're not going to have a second child, what does that mean you're denying your first child of? And just all sorts of things. It feels like there's a lot of opportunities to feel like a very selfish person. So it was really interesting to read this article. So helpful to me. And I actually took so many notes because she had so many good points. So I'll link to that article in our show notes over at shamelessmom.com. And you can search for episode 55 to get all that information. So in reading through these articles, it kind of brought up all the emotion again, like I felt pretty okay with everything. And then reading through these articles, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like it's all the points, all the like emotional things that I'm feeling. I'm reading about other moms feeling and that makes it emotional for me all over again. Like I was kind of feeling like I was recovering. Okay. And then you start reading other people's stories and it definitely brings you back to that very raw, vulnerable place. So with our story and with the outcome, I feel like we have the good, the bad and the ugly. So the good is that there was so many places in our IVF experience where there was no gray. It was black and white. And that was very helpful to me. So, you know, when we found out we only had one embryo at the end of it, that had turned into a blastocyst and was potentially viable for transferring after doing the testing, it was actually a relief in some ways because we didn't have to decide, you know, at my age, they would recommend putting in two or three embryos. And I was terrified of having twins or triplets. And so that was something I was thinking about constantly. So I was like, okay, like we're only going to have one. We won't have to make that tough decision. And then we get to the end and we get this trisomy 16. That's a very cut and dry diagnosis. Like that's not a survivable condition. And so it made it easy to say like, well, we're not going to transfer that embryo. There would have been a lot of other chromosomal abnormalities that maybe we would have had to have a much more difficult conversation about like, well, do we transfer this? Do we not? Do we take a chance? And like, could it be okay? Will it not? Like, there just could have been so much gray area around that. And this was very cut and dry. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that it was an easy, obvious answer, that this wasn't a survivable condition. This wasn't something that would have ever turned out as a successful pregnancy or a successful, healthy baby at the end for any length of time. So that was very helpful. I also was grateful, you know, I've been looking for this definitive answer for four years now about whether or not we should have a second child. And I got that. I got my definitive answer. Not saying it's easy to digest, but I got my definitive answer. So, you know, if we had had an embryo then, I guess I would have probably been a little panicky, like, oh shit, like we're doing this. Am I ready for this? Like I'm almost 41. I'm a little bit tired. (laughs) I don't know. So like either way, it just would have either way, no matter what the outcome there would have been a lot to process. So I just happen to be where I'm at and processing this. And this is part of the story. This is our family story. It's part of my story. It's my story as a woman. It's my story as a mom. So this is part of the story. And, you know, I feel like this is an end point for the story, but it might not be. Who knows? There's certainly, you know, if we do decide we want to have another child, there are other ways of going about doing that. 
I won't lie and tell you that I haven't been on adoption websites a couple times in the last few days. Maybe even send an email to one (laughs) just to kind of get a sense of what that's all about. We're not making any big decisions at this point at all, but I'm also not closing doors completely at this point. I do feel like one door was closed for us, but that doesn't mean that the whole journey has to be closed. And that doesn't mean that our story has to be over. So now we're back in that point of how do we make decisions around that? But I also think it's really important to not make decisions when you're in this place of just feeling so emotional and raw over something. So there's the good around it. The bad is we didn't get the outcome that we wanted. We don't have a good prognosis for trying again. You know, when the doctor said like, let's try this again. I was like, are you kidding me? Like it took us five IUI rounds to get pregnant with Vinny. I did two failed IUI rounds a year ago. And now we do a round of IVF. Five of my eggs start deteriorating after five days. And the one that makes it has trisomy 16. So I'm like, I'm not sure that I'm really up for trying again, but I'm feeling pretty distrustful and very fearful of my body at this point. So that's definitely rough. And that's something that I hadn't considered going into this is like how that would feel. And so that's been kind of an interesting thing to just consider. And then we have the ugly. So the ugly is me obsessing obsessing over success and obsessing over the dilemma of like, am I feeling, am I now feeling really invested in having another baby because this wasn't successful and I want to make it right? Or do I really want another baby? And so that's a huge question that I keep thinking through and kind of dying for my therapy appointment next week because I feel like that's something I really need to talk through because it's hard for me to know. I was actually texting with a girlfriend about this and saying like, my obsession for success and my obsession to do things well is kind of outweighing, I think, my true desire here. And I have to really think about what is my true desire. And that's a really big, challenging and overwhelming question for me. And so I'm trying to not be obsessive and not just jump to the next thing and be like, oh, well, if we can't do it this way, we can do it this way. Because that's what we went through when we were trying to get pregnant with Vinny was just this like very cut and dry, like, well, if it's not going to work this way, we're going to do this. If it's not going to work this way, we're going to do that. And we just kept taking steps. And I very like, I was pretty good about not being super emotional, just moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And this point, there's a lot of reasons to not necessarily move forward. And so you know, things are just very different than they were five years ago when I got pregnant with Vinny. And so really trying to think through like, why do I want what I want? And as a family with my husband, why do we want what we want? And what is the best decision for us? And what is the best thing moving forward? And what is the best thing for all of us? So it's a lot to consider. I see a lot of pros in this situation. I see a lot of pros in this being the end of our story. And I see a lot of cons. You know, the cons are that for a long time had this panic and obsessive thoughts about something bad happening to Vinny. And that the second I got off the phone with the doctor, that was where my head went. That, oh my gosh, like he is my one chance. He's my one chance. And what if something happens? It would not recover from that. So there's that. That's a huge piece of this. It's like a one chance now. And if something goes wrong, like that's a really big deal. I also, the other con, and this is like a weird one. I feel silly saying it out loud, but I think that there's probably other women that feel this way who have only children. So I want to put it out there. There's a little part of me that feels like less of a mom because I won't have that chaotic life experience of having multiple children and having pulled in different directions. I'm not saying that I desire that feeling, but I feel like that's part of, and maybe it's because 
we all talk about the craziness and the busyness of motherhood, the insanity of motherhood and how it does pull you in every which way. And there's a little bit of a badge of honor for leading a life that is just chaotic where you're always stretched thin and and you can just say like, oh my gosh, like, you know, every day is insane and I don't know how we do it, but somehow we get by and like, there's a little bit of a badge of honor, you know, and just like, you know, I live in Seattle and I feel like it's a badge of honor for everyone to be like, oh, we're just so busy and like, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and, you know, with all the tech that we have around here, it's very much like people are very proud of their busyness and their importance and and their contributions to their busyness and their corporate life and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a little bit of that with motherhood where I feel like it's like you, this badge of honor, the more kids you have, the more crazy your life. And like, oh my gosh, how does she do it? She's such a super mom. And now I'm like, oh, well, am I not that? Because I only have one kid and like my life is probably only going to get like easier and simpler and not simpler maybe, but easier in some ways as Vinny becomes more and more independent. I will have more freedom as Vinny becomes more and more independent. And so like, I feel a little bit less adequate as a mother maybe because of that. I also worry that Vinny won't have a playmate or that bond that only exists between siblings. I worry about, you know, our house being quieter than I want it to be. I worry about like, there's a great opportunity for my marriage to be stronger than ever because we won't be potentially damaging it more, but a second child. And there's research on like marriage and children and like the happiness your marriage ever is, is in your third trimester of pregnancy before your first child. There's a book called Brain Rules for Baby, which I'll link to in the show notes. And that talks about, I remember reading that in my third trimester and being like, whoa, hun, this is as good as it ever gets. Like, enjoy. So there's that piece of it that my marriage won't be compromised by another baby. I'm like, I will say infancy, it's rough on a marriage. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I think, you know, that's an important piece of this as well is that the house will be quieter and our lives will be more simple. And so the positive is that we'll have more time to focus on our marriage. The challenge is like, oh my gosh, like we have an opportunity here to make our marriage really great. That feels like a lot of pressure. (laughs) Maybe it's easier to just like focus on screaming children. But I mean, in the end, I think that that's a positive thing. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, 
we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Other cons are our holidays. You know, I think everyone dreams of holidays and big family dinners and those kinds of things. And we will forever be dependent on other people completing that picture for us. And I'm fine with that. It's just different than how I envisioned it. But, you know, there's nothing like a good Friendsgiving, right? <laughs> so I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. We're lucky that we have big extended family and so many close friends. And so I don't think it's ever going to be a problem. It's just different than what I anticipated. Also, we'll be empty nesters earlier than I expected. Again, pros and cons to that. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm not, I was thinking about this today. I was like, in like 14 years, old, Vinny will be gone potentially. And I don't know if I'm ready for that in 14 years, like maybe I want four more years. <laughs> so how will I fill my time? How will we fill our time? Like what the heck are we going to do with Vince and I going to do with each other when it's just us? So I have a lot of fear around that. Like I'm so dependent on my relationship with this tiny little person right now. It really is scary to me to think that, to think of what my life will be without that there. There's a lot of evolution that will happen in the next 14 years to prepare me for that. I realize that, but I still feel fearful and I worry about what that looks like. But I also know that there's pros to all this. I know that I get to own my body for the rest of my life. I don't have to be pregnant. I don't have to push out a baby. I don't have to nurse a baby. I know for some people that they might feel loss and grief over that. I do not. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. I can drink wine every day for the rest of my life if I want. So that's actually, there is some relief in that for me. Pregnancy and childbirth and nursing. I had an easy pregnancy with Vinny, but I felt sick for the first three months and I just felt like my body was not my own. I had a very hard time recovering from pregnancy. I had multiple health issues. I had three rounds of mastitis during nursing. I just felt like that recovery from pregnancy took me years. Vinny was born almost four years ago. He'll be four in just a few weeks and I'm still not fully recovered from what pregnancy and childbirth did to my body. So there's some big relief in not having to do that again, for sure. There's also the pro that I don't have to put my life on hold again for the trials and tribulations of infancy. So that is saddening to me in many ways because it means there's no baby snuggles, but it also means that I don't have to look to the future and think like, well, I can't plan on this because I'm not sure where we'll be with this. And I'm not sure like, will we have an infant? Can we book that camping trip? I'd plan on attending a certain event or trip or whatever, because we might have a baby. I might be pregnant. I might like all these different things. So that sense of like not having to put my life on hold, there's some freedom with that that feels good. I don't have to worry incessantly about everything that could go wrong if I were to be pregnant because of my age and my outdated and expired eggs. So I do feel like if I were to be pregnant, I would be really scared. My eggs are not happy eggs anymore. I think that's pretty obvious. So I do feel like if we were to continue to do this and I did end up pregnant, I just feel like I would be so scared and so nervous the whole time and so panicky. So there's some relief in knowing that it's just like, I don't have to endure that. I don't have to go through that and feel that way and be in a state of constant state of worry for nine to 10 months. There's also, like I said earlier, you know, the potential for marriage to be much stronger and more positive <laughs> because the hardest time of our marriage was that time 
right after Vinny was born. It was like the first time we ever really fought. So it's nice to know that like, we don't have to endure that again. I don't have to be that crazy, irrational, sleep deprived, hormonal person that we can just get better and stronger from here on out and plan things. Like, I feel like we can plan on a different level. We can plan knowing what our future holds and knowing that we have some freedoms that other couples don't have and plan around that. And I think that that's a big pro we'll have more financial freedom because, oh my God, kids are so freaking expensive. (laughs) So that's a big pro. Like there's things that we'll be able to do travel that we could, you know, be more easily afford real estate opportunities that I've of course already started looking into because I'm not one to sit idly on anything. The minute I think that things might be shifting a certain direction, I'm looking at that lake house, trying to figure out how to make that happen. I would love to have a little lake home vacation getaway. And then there's the ability to grow my businesses bigger and sooner and network all over the world. And that's something that I really put on hold after Vinny was born. And I've been getting back into it in the last year and a half or so. And my husband's so supportive of that, which is really, really fantastic. And I'm so grateful. And I see that as a huge plus. Like the more I can grow my communities, the more women I can help, the more moms I can help, the more moms I can connect to. And I think that that is a huge plus. So I'm really looking forward to that opportunity that like, if I don't get to parent another child, I get to help so many more women more faster timeline and on a broader scale because I will have the bandwidth to do that that I would not have with two children. Um, So I think that that's a really exciting opportunity and I'm looking forward to diving into that. So I spent every day of the last four years worrying about having a second baby. And now I'm overwhelmed by the fact that I've spent all these days not appreciating that I'll never experience them again. I was worried about like, oh my gosh, every time Vinny has a meltdown, oh my gosh, I have to do this again with a second child if we have a second child. And now I'm wishing that I spent more time just being so appreciative of the positive moments that we had, recognizing that these were the only positive moments I was going to have, that I don't get to do this again. That's been a bit of a blow with this for sure. And now, just in the last few days since getting this news, Every day that I have with Vinny, I'm very acutely aware that it is something I will not experience again. So I'm clinging to him for dear life. This poor child, he's like, I'm asking him for hugs like every five minutes. I mean, it's getting a little like inappropriate, but I do think that I will parent with a totally different level of appreciation and I will sit in moments and enjoy them longer and be present in them more because I'm so acutely aware that like this is our path. And I think that that's really important. I will move forward with gratitude because I know we already won the lottery. We didn't have good chances to begin with five years ago and we won. And so I don't need to win again. We already are complete and we're whole and we're not less. We're already more than enough. Our future is bright. And in a lot of ways, it just got brighter just not in the ways we expected. So our family's going to need a moment to process and a moment to grieve, but I do know that we're going to be okay. And I do know that there's other options for us down the road if we decide to pursue them. So what I want to ask for you, because I've shared very rawly here, and this has been really challenging. I would love to know for those of you that have only children, what are the best things about having only children? I want to know why is it the most amazing thing in the world? Because that would make me feel better right now. So if you have something like that to share, please do send it to me. You can email it to me. You can post it on the comments when I post this episode of social media. You can post on the comments there. But I would just, that is the biggest gift anyone could give me is to help me feel really good about where we're at and really good about this being enough and this being complete. Because I do know in my rational mind that we are complete 
But right now we feel like there's a little bit of a hole and it would be nice to just be able to heal that a little bit with other people's stories. So thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go dry my tears and I'm going to go read something really happy and joyful. And actually Vinny is here today at home upstairs with a babysitter because he doesn't have school. So I'm going to go up and give him a hug in a few minutes and that's going to feel really good. So I just want to thank you all for listening as I have shared all this. It was not difficult until today. (laughs) So it's been my pleasure, my honor to share up to today. Today has been challenging. Still, I'm glad I can share it with you. If you know of other women who have gone through IVF, who've had loss with IVF, I would love for you to share this episode because I think there is solidarity in stories and solidarity in shared experiences. So I would love for you to be able to share my experience with someone who you think it might be impactful on. And I don't feel sad right now. I'm actually relieved this episode is almost over, but I can't stop crying. So thank you for listening and thank you for being part of this journey. And thank you for all of your messages of love and support and your comments on Facebook and your personal emails. It's been so meaningful to me. I appreciate it to the end of the earth and back. So thank you. Thank you. Next episode will be much more lighthearted. So I'm looking forward to moving forward and moving forward with some exciting, fun, positive things for you. And I have some great things in store. And now that I'm not 100% focused on this IVF thing, I do have more energy and time to be spending on fun things that I have in the pipeline for the Shameless Mom Academy. So do stay tuned for all that. And make sure to check out the show notes here if you want to see any of the links to the article that I mentioned about the why I'm okay with having only one child or the book that I mentioned, Brain Rules for Baby. Or if you want to find other episodes of the Shameless Mom Academy, you can go over to shamelessmom.com. And if you want the show notes from this episode, you can look for episode 55. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And as always, if you were touched by this episode or any of our episodes, please do go over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. So thank you for listening. And no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly even if it involves a lot of tears. Thank you. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.